Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress, and your host of Talking Timber. Today we're going to be talking to Madeline Wyland and Tyson Lucas about the Diesel Equipment Technology Program out of Centralia College in Washington. Tyson is an instructor, and Maddie is a recent graduate. Right now, though, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation, who are dedicated to providing sound technical education about the forest industry. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation gave $22,500 in scholarships to future forestry professionals. You can check out their work at www.pacificloggingcongress.org and www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Okay, now let's hear from Maddie and Tyson and how they got involved in the industry. I actually started turning wrench um, at a local dealership when I was 16 years old and um, it was automotive. I, I did that for a few years and realized I'm too big a guy to be working on small cars <laughs> and the money just didn't seem like it was there. Um, so I ended up going to Centralia College, graduating with my associate's degree and um, going and working on trucks. Um, and so I've worked at international dealers and Freightliner dealers and um, smaller, more mom and pop shops as well. I, uh, I actually got hurt a while back and lost all the feeling in my hand. And uh, when I did that, I, you know, it makes it hard to turn that wrench anymore. Uh, especially when you can't feel it. So I ended up contacting uh, our now Dean at Centralia College, Jake Fay, and, and asked him if he knew of any uh, lead or foreman positions or, you know, something still in the industry, um, but wouldn't require my, my hand as much while I was trying to rehab. Yeah. And uh, he told me that they were going to be hiring for a teacher. And so it was the beginning of the bachelor's program. Uh, it was the first year and I, I started teaching there and I've been teaching six years now and it's been an absolutely um, amazing, I guess, adventure. <laughs> okay. And, and what's the official title of the program there? Uh, it's, it's a bachelor's of applied science and diesel equipment technology. Okay. So um, we'll switch over and hear what yours is. Uh, my story is not really as interesting. I kind of <laughs> just decided when I was in high school, I heard about, working on cars. And I don't know, I thought it was cool. It was hands-on. I got into new market skill center, my senior year with an automotive, like high school programs. So half the day you go and you work on different vehicles. I learned from another student at that program about Centralia college. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go to school four years, it might as well be in something that interests me. And long story short, I just graduated and currently working up in Tacoma for triad machinery on cranes and that's really my story <laughs> so so what does your day look like working on cranes uh, it's every day is different some days you're out in the field helping a customer tear down a crane loading it onto trucks taking it to another place taking it off the trucks putting it together some days you are taking booms off you're doing hydraulic problems engine problems and every day is different pretty much. Was it, is it kind of what you were expecting? Um, I didn't really know what to think about cranes. I kind of found this job 
uh, one of the teachers, actually Brian Lip at the school last summer, the company I was working for, a trucking company, uh, ended up shutting down. I was kind of panicking, trying to find a job before summer started. And he worked here before me and he said, hey, you should go try an intern for them. And I'd had no idea what to expect about cranes and I ended up falling in love with them. So long story short, I'm a crane person now. Wow. So um, are you one of the few females out there? Um, In the crane industry, there's more female operators. I haven't heard of another tech, but the crane industry with techs is kind of small. So maybe there's someone out there that I don't know about, but <laughs> right now I'm the only one in the territory that I know of. Tyson, do you want to say a little bit about the program itself and maybe your students? What's involved here? Yeah. So to answer the question in terms of Maddie being one of the few female techs, um, yeah. just, just a quick number. Uh, I think we had um, at the, the beginning of last year, we had five female students out of 70. Um, and that's for all four years of the bachelor's program or all four years of the diesel program. Um, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's few and far between, but there's just not as many um, female techs out there. <clears throat> that being said, a majority of um, the employers would actually like to see more female techs just because they think differently than, than most of the guys, you know, um, and they tend to have a little bit better soft skills, which, is becoming more and more important in today's business. Um, as far as our program goes, soft skills is a big reason that the bachelor's program was created. Uh, we have our typical two-year associate's degree where we focus on things like electrical, hydraulics, engines, um, pretty much all the basics. You know, we teach them a little bit of welding, get their hands dirty, get them in, you know, kind of working on a little bit of everything in terms of different types of equipment and different types of trucks. Um, and then if they're interested, you know, the way we put it to them, if, they're, if there's an inkling that they might want to do anything more than just um, turn wrench, you know, in the future, and that could be five years, 10 years, 15, 20, um, then the bachelor's is the way that they want to go. The bachelor's program kind of, what we try to do is expand on all of those basics as well as improve on their soft skills and try to make them a better candidate for a managerial position down the road. Okay. So what would you de define sort of soft skills as? Um, well, the big one in our industry is, is communication. Okay. Um, any field tech's going to tell you, you know, that their biggest battle probably is, is communicating with the customer. And if they can communicate, you know, accordingly, then they can sell the jobs properly. They can sell the hours properly. They can get the job done. Um, communicating with the dealerships and the OEMs is also important now because if you can't justify your time on a job, it's going to be hard to get paid for it. Uh, if, yeah. You know, if you're working on a Cummins engine and you have eight hours to replace an EGR cooler, but you had a bunch of seized and rusted bolts and nuts and just things were not going your way. If you can't explain that, um, good luck getting any, you know, any more than eight hours for it. So okay. definitely improving on that. Um, analytical skills is a big one as well. And, and I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand with diagnostics, but a lot of the, the classes that we offer in the bachelor's program are, are more driven towards analyzing the situation 
you know, not just what caused it, but what, what could come from it. Okay. So you've been through the program. What, how did you feel? You've been in different places. How, what was it like? Um, in the program for me, I was the type of person coming in where I had basically no background. I didn't really grow up uh, working on stuff. I was more out in the barn with the horses and stuff like that. So I never really had the whole mechanical hands-on stuff. So going through the program, it really helped me get a solid base, just basically knowing this is what this part is. This is, you know, common failures, things to look out for, just a good like set of tools going into the industry, knowing like, okay, I know that's an engine. I know that this is like a hydraulic tank, you know, basic stuff. Uh, going into the bachelor's program, because I decided to do all four years, it really helped with, like Tyson was saying, with like the soft skills, like going in, like, I felt like I had a pretty good understanding of, you know, how to like, fluff a story to make a warranty person like, say like, okay, yeah, they that I give them the time on that, and talk to customers, but it really helped me round in the way I present myself, how to like communicate with people like more clearly and stuff like that. So I really... And thankful for the program because it's gotten to me to where I am with all of the skills that they give to you. And and how long have you been in working after the finishing the program now? Um, so I just graduated this past June, but every summer, um, so on your second year, they make you do a five week one year classes is a five week uh, co op course. I ended up doing that my uh, summer before my. My sophomore year and I did a three month with inner city transit and then the next summer I did three months with Pape machinery and then uh this last year I was with um triad machinery and I've been here for about a year now so I have just over a year and a half or so so someone who's brand new out there in the field what are some of the big challenges knowing what tools you need that's the big hurdle <laughs> right now Cause it's kind of hard going in. Like, yes, there's a basic set of tools that everyone needs, but then once you pick your industry, which is, I kind of went from, uh, buses to trucks to equipment and now to cranes and every single, uh, discipline has its own different set of tools. So I'm now to the point where I'm trying to get more refined tools where I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to need. I'm not going to need this tool anymore and stuff like that. As I say, the other, uh, big challenge is just, not being afraid to break something, just going out and doing it and not being like, oh, well, I don't want to do this because I don't know if it's going to break it or if I'm doing something that's not going to be the way that somebody else would do it. You kind of just have to go out and get it done. And then if it is wrong, hopefully you work with somebody who will be like, hey, this isn't the proper way. This is how it's supposed to be done type of thing. No, oh, that makes sense. So is it been weird with the whole COVID situation? Um, yes and no. My work, we are considered um, essential for infrastructure. So I have just been, instead of going to school every day, I've just been going to work. So the only real adjustment for me is ending school three months early, which was, it's kind of, it's kind of been weird. It's kind of like, oh, well, I kind of lost that three months of just kind of making sure this is what I want to do in life. But I kind of thrown <laughs> into the deep end and I've been enjoying it. So Nothing really different for me besides that factor. And if you look down the road, like um, five years, 10 years, where would you like to see yourself? Um, well, my goal has always been to try to get into a service truck as soon as possible out of school. Typically, that's anywhere from two to five years, depending on your experience. 
Uh, hopefully by the time in five to 10 years, I'll be in a service truck. I'll be hopefully what my goal is to be one of the better techs out here that is pretty much the one who's like picked on, but like customers fight over is what my goal is. But 10 years is a long time. So we'll have to see where I end up. So um, if you had some advice maybe for folks your age who are thinking, oh, is this something I'm interested in? What would you tell them? Uh, Try it. If you're interested, go ahead and try it and don't hold back. If you like, there was moments where I was like, I don't know if this is the field for me, stuff like that. And if I would have listened to myself at that time, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at, but I stuck through it and I kept going. And I'm now, I'm surprised to see where I'm at and I just keep climbing up. So keep, just try, don't say no, just because somebody tells you not to. And that's great advice. So Tyson, you were talking about the school in general, about how many um, students graduate a year and you know, what's, what's that kind of look like? Is there a lot of, do you guys help place them, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. well, as far as students go, um, this last year we had 70 across all four years. And, um, you know, that average is a little bit, it's a little bit bigger um, or more students in the associates part of the program. Um, this is only our sixth year with the bachelors. And so we're still kind of growing. We, we had some other things that we were kind of working, you know, growing pains, I guess we'll call them um, things we're working through and, and equipment we're trying to add to improve the program. Uh, so enrollment has been roller roller coaster ride. Um, this year, I think we had 20, maybe 19 in, in Maddie's class um, that graduated. And as far as placement goes, um, you know, I've had a couple concerned students come to me this year. This is probably the, the most difficult year. Either their internships didn't end up working out or um, the employer yeah. couldn't afford to bring them on yet. But usually we say that if the students don't have a job in June, um, it's because they don't want one. Uh, most of our employers have, you know, we try to have yeah. barbecues a couple times a year with all of our employers. And, and it's kind of a, a fun little event for the employers to meet the students in a non, you know, completely informal um, setting. And it just puts a face to the name when they get a resume across their desk, that kind of thing. Um, and it's, it's worked out well because most of our students usually either sign a contract or have a job that they've agreed to take um, the first part of March, which this year worked out pretty well because the first of March we were done with school wow. and, you know, most people ended up still being able to go work, uh, being classified as essential employees. So. So you were talking this year because of COVID recruiting is going to be a little more difficult. Um, what, what would you like to say to folks to, you know, if they're listening to this to just call you or, you know, what would be the way to contact the school or how? Definitely. You know, we have, we have the website, uh, www.centralia.edu and, and our program is listed there. And um, we have four faculty working for the program. All of our names and numbers are on the website. Um, our Dean, Jake Fay is listed as well. He can answer any of the questions. He's, he's actually the one that helped develop the program. Um, we, we are still allowed to give tours. I'm still allowed to help people kind of advise and register and do all that. It's just, um, you know, now we have to wear a mask if we're gonna walk in the building, that kind of thing. As far as recruiting goes, our normal recruiting efforts, um, the last half of fall quarter, uh, we usually have between the four of us, uh, we cover 
20 something different schools in person uh, from as far south as Arizona. We go down to Phoenix and Vegas and um, Los Angeles and Sacramento and work our way up through California. We go east to Idaho. Um, we've actually had students come back from Montana State Northern, which is the next closest competing um, four-year diesel degree. And um, this year, we're not going to be allowed to do do much of that. Uh, so it, it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, I mentioned to you earlier that the logging conference in Eugene is one of our bigger events that we kind of attend. And it's we, we try to bring the students and it's a great place for them to kind of network with other employers and other students and uh, gives us a chance to kind of put our name out there with with other employers yeah. um, with parents you know we do the high school the future forestry workers thing and we've gotten our name out pretty good through that uh, made a lot of connections I'm just not sure that we're going to get to do any of that this year travels as, as I know it has been officially cut um, non-essential what they're calling non-essential travel has been essentially has been cut uh, from, from all things so mm -hmm. recruiting is going to be different um, we're going to have to try and, and take a more digital social media based approach and um, we'll just have to see what we can do. Hi, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress. Due to the coronavirus, the 2020 PLC Congress has been moved to 2021, but they will be holding the annual auction December 16th, 2020. More information will be posted as it becomes available at www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, we're going to pick back up with Maddie as she talks about the instructors at Centralia College. Oh yeah, every single teacher, they you can walk up to them no matter what your problem is and every single one of them will take the time and sit down with you and help you either figure out what your problem is. It could be a life problem, it can be a class problem, a homework problem. Most of them are open for pretty much any of it and they'll help you try to figure out what to do or kind of coax you in the direction. No, that sounds great. So do you, so Tyson, do you find that you do a lot of things besides just teaching with this job? Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that's the students make it, make the job. Um, you know, I can think of, I, well, I can't count the number of days. So we run a car show and for the last few years, Maddie's been the go-to person for running that car show. So I can't think of how many days, you know, you kind of end up staying late and, and having different conversations and um, not just with Maddie, but with other students as well. Kind of you get to hear their goals and their dreams. And, um, you know, sometimes it's you get to hear the, the bad part of their life or whatever their, you know, uh, things that they're dealing with, um, good and bad. And uh, I think for me, getting to know those those students and build that relationship, that's that's one of the best parts of teaching. Um, you know, the, yeah. the hardest part of not having these last three months is we do have students. We actually have a lot of students in Maddie's class that, that attended all four years and we didn't even get to watch them really graduate. We didn't get to watch them walk or do any of that. We didn't get to do a big kind of going away party. And, you know, you see these, these students that come in with very little knowledge and, um, maybe not much independence when it comes to, to doing things they want a lot of help and then you get to see them grow and, and kind of flourish into who they are as techs and uh it, as a 
parent myself, it's almost like seeing your child succeed, you know? So it's pretty cool. That is cool. So what would you say, um, maybe both of you can answer this, um, makes this program a little different than some others, say in Montana or, you know, just what makes this one unique? Well, the main reason that I personally liked this school is one, you don't have to go out in the middle of nowhere in Montana and survive through, which I've heard are horrible snowstorms. Like you get pretty decent weather. Uh, for personally, for me, it was close enough to my house. So throughout school, I was able to stay with my parents and they were able to basically, I wasn't, I didn't have to go find an apartment. I didn't have to try to find a dorm and which I guess is kind of missing the whole college experience. But at the same time, that's what was going to work for me in my life because I had a couple dogs. I have horses trying to move all that to Montana. It just didn't seem very plausible at the time. Also, the school, just like the whole school in whole, like not just the diesel program, oh, like they basically want everybody, they tried to everybody to have unity and like work together. And like, it's, they try not to like have it be like, oh, this is like the diesel side of school or, oh, this is where the nurses are. Oh, these are the science people. Like everybody kind of intermingles a lot. So that was kind of nice on my end. I liked the, how many students were there in the diesel program. I don't know how it is at um, Montana, but having the just the different, like not everybody's the same age. Like most college classes you go and you go to your freshman year, everybody's straight out of high school or you know, in their like early 20s. In my first year, we had somebody who was in their 60s. We had somebody, we had the fresh people who were fresh out of high school. We had people who you, they had tried school earlier in life, went and did something and then they like circled back. So now they're their late 20s, you know, early 30s. I kind of like the age mix because it gives the class a different personality where you have the people who are a little bit more mature. You have the ones who are kind of a little still a little bit of a youngster, you know, still want to mess around and stuff. So that's what I really enjoyed about Centralia. Nice. Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of add to that with, you know, the, what Maddie's talking about class personality. I think one of the things that makes us different is even through the bachelor's program, uh, it's, it remains a cohort, a true cohort. So if we have 20 students in that class, um, you know, it's kind of my job as their advisor to put a majority of them, if they don't need the class, I'm not going to put them in it, but put a majority of them in the same general ed class at the same time. Yeah. And that way they can walk across campus together. Um, they can go be in, in, they can interact in that classroom a little, um, a little more candidly. They, they know each other. So they're open to talk. They're, they're, they feel more comfortable, I guess, around other instructors because they know that their peer group is not well they might be judging them but they're not um you know critiquing them mm -hmm. harsh way uh, and it's it, it is a lot of fun because the instructors um you know we get to play kind of play back and forth one of our my favorite times of the year is fall quarter i teach environment i teach emissions control systems and at the same time our students are t taking a, an environmental science class and you know we get to you got two very different sides of the spectrum right there. And, yeah. and so, uh, you know, myself and the professors in the science department, we get to kind of banter back and forth a little bit through the students. Uh, the, the students end up benefiting, I think, because they get to hear both sides and they get to be 
open-minded and um, you know, we end up having a debate and I've had students that have changed their minds and students who have not changed their minds. And um, it's just, it creates a really fun atmosphere. Yeah, that sounds great. So this is a new, I mean, you said it's six years old, this program um, as a bachelor's. And so I'm assuming it's still evolving a little bit. Um, are there some goals you have for the future with this program? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're working hard on uh, continuously updating our fleet and adding to, um, you know, I, we have an oil lab, um, but we currently only have a, a couple of machines. They're not inexpensive machines. They're, you know, very nice infrared spectrometers. And so we, we can do a lot of things, but it'd be nice to do more. And so it's really just a matter of finding that next $100,000 to get the inductively coupled plasma optical emission spectrometer. Uh, you know, so it's things like that. Um, trying to keep up with technology, you know, just in terms of emissions on equipment and hydraulics <laughs> and electronics, you know, trying to stay on top of all that's the difficult part for us. And so we're, we're actually at meeting at the school probably tomorrow to go through. And, and I think we're going to sell off about half our fleet and try and, and re up just re renew, rebuild and, and continue building forward. So, um, Matt, did you find yourself um, well prepared using the equipment there for your job now? Uh, yes and no. So at school, you don't really get the time to really dig in to like, let's say if there was a problem, they basically, you get a sense of how the systems work. So when you go out into the field, you can actually be like, okay, so you can break it down be like, this is, I know this is how this works. So what is not working in the system, um, you just, there's not enough time or enough pieces of equipment. I don't think any school could ever have enough pieces of equipment or time to be able to really like teach you like you can get from on the job, but you get a good enough base that when you go out into the field, you can be like, okay, so I'm looking at this system. I know that component A, B, and C are supposed to work like this. And right now B is not working how it is. So then you kind of you learn, you know that that's not right in the system, so you can go in and you know do your diagnostics and figure out what the true issue is. So it sounds like you work those three months every summer with a different company. Is that pretty normal for the other students be to get that hands on? Um, that would probably be a Tyson work. question. I don't think so, but I'll let Tyson take the stand on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it depends on the student. Um, you know, we have a couple that, for instance, vets have a harder time working because if they're on VA and, and that's who's funding their, their program, then, you know, they get so many contact hours and credit hours and things like that. They, they lose money, um, tend to lose money if they work. Um, so we can work around things like that and, and look for more of an unpaid internship to get them experience on the job. Uh, a lot of our bachelor's students show up and, and I would say at least half, if not uh, three quarter are working at least part time, if not full time, um, swing shift or graveyard through a majority of the program. So it just sounds like a lot of the students do have quite a bit of hands on by the time they are done with the program. Yeah, yeah, and it, it'll, you know, again, like Maddie said, we're we're there to provide the basics. You know, we want yeah. everybody, we want to, we want to be able to build up the best technicians in the, in the world, really. But um, in order to do that, you need to put them on the job. Cool. And, and if I understand correctly, you're working for Triad now. Is that it? Yes. 
Okay. So what's it like working for those guys? It has been an awesome experience. Everyone at the shop is uh, very welcoming. No one really cared. You know, some I've been at some shops where they're like, oh, we're going to have to baby her because she's a girl. But they pretty much accepted me like I was an equal right off the bat. And they've been letting me, they're like, oh, do you want to try doing this? And I'll be like, sure, I'll go try it. And they're pretty open to anything, which has been nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and I will say Triad has been absolutely amazing as an employer um, in supporting us as a program. Uh, again, Doug Summers kind of found us uh, about six years ago, and and between him and Andrew Lundgren, who's, who's president now, and uh, they've been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Maddie's boss, Ken, is another one of those guys that he's hired multiple students and just has a good nature about him and, and everything, everything tends to work out well for the, for us with them. Yeah, that sounds great. I think currently right now there's three of us that all have a bachelor's degree from Centralia working at the Tacoma branch. So for you, the, the, the program here, it's that will, are you planning on starting just on regular time this year or? We'll have it a little different. Uh, I think that, the plan for now is instead of four days a week, you know, instead of Monday through Thursday, um, seven to noon, seven to one, something like that, we'll, we'll run um, each class two days a week, uh, seven to 3.30ish, and the rest of it will be online, which, um, you know, you and I kind of talked earlier, our students really are not, they don't want the online classes. Uh, we really can't avoid it, but, what we can do is just change the online content. And so a lot of what our online content will be next year is um, the, uh, the OEM certification stuff. So Cummins works with us and Freightliner works with us and, and we can actually access their um, OEM certifications. Each student can take the classes when they leave. They're just shy of a hands-on class to get the full certification. So That'll be their online base. And then we'll do, you know, eight, eight plus hours a day yeah, for two days sense. a week of lab. And that way they actually get their lab. You know, we'll have to do probably wear masks. Um, our tool room has a plexiglass sheet in front of the window. And uh, we'll probably have to make sure everybody's in their six foot bubble. But um, all of that stuff is very doable. So. So for you guys, it's. Um... You personally, either of you, what's sort of your highlight of your program so far? For me, I was a horrible high school student. Uh, my parents didn't think I was going to graduate. So my first quarter or two at Centralia, I ended up making the dean's list and the president's list. So that was a cool highlight for me. Um, another thing is, so we have, um, we have a diesel club where any student that's in the program we have a safety meeting every week that we have to have. And then after that, we'll have like a 30 minute club meeting where any student that wants to be involved in the club can be involved. I, I ended up my junior year uh, stepping in for a president and I got to be the president for the diesel club. And I also got to help put on the car show with Tyson for two years. And that was, that was probably my highlights and graduating. That's another highlight for me. That was a great, that's a great one. Tell some of yours. You know, honestly, I think for me, it's looking back at the students. And I can't just say that there's, there's any one highlight or any one great day. Having set up the car show, that, that's always been kind of a dream of mine. I love, 
hot rods and antique cars and everything else. And then being able to, to set one up that's a fundraiser for the program. You know, all that money that we make every year goes directly to the students in the form of scholarships and, and or right back to the club. And so um, watching that kind of grow from the first year where we kind of didn't really even break even to um, the last couple of years, we've, we've come out in the, you know, four to $5,000 profit range. Um, and, and yeah, and we've seen, you know, 80 plus cars and uh, just, I think that's kind of a, a really cool thing for me. But again, I think the biggest thing, the biggest highlight would just be the students watching them come from where they are, whether they're, uh, not very good high school students, or maybe they were dropouts and they came back and got their GED or, um, you know, they're the first time uh, in their family going and getting a college degree, uh, you know, whatever it is, getting to see that light click on in their head when they finally understand the concept that you've been talking and teaching them about. Um, that to me is the biggest reason I like this job. And so getting to follow them through up to four years of that. That's a pretty good highlight for me. That is cool. So I'm going to guess, I know the answer here, but um, you had the injury that led you to this job versus um, being out on the, in the field working. Um, are you kind of glad of this change? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I, you know, I mean, it, it's an unfortunate thing. I've, I've been able to rehab my shoulder and get my hand back to where I can, do the things I like to do again. And, and so um, I've, I've been a firm believer that things happen for a reason. You seem like you were pretty much meant to be yeah, a teacher. Yeah, when I, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> if you wanted to leave anybody with a message about um, the program itself that you'd want, that I didn't ask or that you just want to make sure gets mentioned in this um, podcast. And also, Maddie, I was going to ask you, did you have any kind of words to females out there? Um, you just have to learn how to ignore what people are saying. There's a lot of people that told me, oh, you're probably not going to make it, you know, stuff like that. You just do what you want. Don't listen to anybody else. If it's what you really want to do in life, then you'll be successful. If you're going to be one of those people that's going to listen to people saying that, oh, well, you probably shouldn't do this or, oh, you, you can't do this, blah, blah, then you're probably not going to make it very far. But if you just go in, just ignore what people are saying and then just be yourself tends to be the way that works out. That is great advice. <laughs> Tyson, any parting words for you about the program or just in general? I guess in terms of the program, if if anybody's interested, just get a hold of us, any one of us, and, and we'll make things happen. We'll give you a tour and kind of talk you through what we're all about and, and show you the shops. And if it sounds like something you're interested in, we'll get you set up. We want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress for making this podcast possible. And of course, a big thank you goes out to Maddie and Tyson for taking part in Talking Timber. Until next time, take care.